Welcome to the podcast that takes you back in time to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Get ready to go beyond the bell. With your host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman. Well, old school wrestling fans, we are back. Welcome back to Beyond the Bell. Your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast has returned after a long hiatus. It's been highly anticipated. I've received your emails, your DMs, and your comments through the website. You've all craved Beyond the Bell, and it has returned. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your old school host as we take a trip back down memory lane to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. I am ring announcer, podcast host, and lover of professional wrestling, a pure fan. Sean Beckerman is back, and I thought it'd be a great opportunity to bring it back around my birthday time. It's been a long time coming. I know almost a year in the making. I know all of you have been waiting for the return of Beyond the Bell, and I'm proud to say we're back to present the conclusion of season one of Beyond the Bell, covering World Championship Wrestling, but that does not mean that we'll be disappearing before season two. We'll come back with season two rather quickly and present to you the Stone Cold Chronicles, the history of Stone Cold Steve Austin. We'll talk more about the upcoming seasons, the upcoming content on Beyond the Bell, and I'm excited to once again take you back down memory lane and travel through the annals of time covering the industry, the sport, the business, the art that we love so much known as professional wrestling. Tonight, we will cover the history of the WCW television title. We'll look back at the greatest champions, the greatest superstars and wrestlers to ever hold that championship. Some of the greatest matches and moments. Also, the end of the championship history. And we'll look back and analyze how it was used previously and how it can be utilized to this very day. Possibly in a little different manner or possibly a name change. But the entity of the TV title can still be used to this very day. So after this quick break, Beyond the Bell is back covering the WCW television title. Fight TV, the cross-section of entertainment and technology. Just open the app and it will automatically connect with your smart TV. All you need to do is choose a video and press play. Download the Fight TV app for free from iTunes and Google Play. The Fight TV app is your home for everything that happens in the cage, on the mat, and between the ropes. Throughout history, professional wrestling has seen many championships. Currently now in WWE, I believe they have nine main roster titles. 14 total if you count NXT. From the NXT side, the NXT title, the North American title, the UK title, the tag team titles, the women's title. Then you go to two separate brands, Raw and SmackDown. The two major titles, the two mid-card titles, the USIC tag team titles, and then also the women's titles on both respective respective brands. You know, not many know that the company has at one point had a total of at least 19 different titles, 13 of which have been abandoned for one reason or another. After 2001, there have been at least 15 abandoned and forgotten titles between the WWF, WCW, and ECW. Tonight, we will focus on one of the most decorated and remembered championships in professional wrestling history, the WCW World Television Championship. Now, I know some will go back in the archives and we'll see it was known as two different names. It was known as the WCW World Television Championship or just directly or strictly the WCW Television title. The story of the championship begins on February 27th, 1974, when it was created by Mid-Atlantic Wrestling as one of its secondary titles. While used there, it was known as the Mid-Atlantic 
TV Championship, later getting the good old name change a few years later to the National Wrestling Alliance, the NWA TV Championship. As the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Promotion, later known as Jim Crockett Promotions, as we covered early on in the season of WCW 101, it, as it grew in size and influence, the title was again renamed to the NWA World TV Championship to give it more prestige that it was not just a territory title, rather it was for the entire world. You're the World TV title holder. Then years later, when Mid-Atlantic was sold to Ted Turner and renamed to WCW, followed by WCW's future withdrawal for the NWA, the title became known as the WCW World Television Championship. And that was until its retirement on April 10th in the year 2000, when all the titles in WCW were vacated by Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff. The WCW World TV Championship was defended in matches that commonly had 10 to 15 minute time limits, and the matches often resulted in time limit draws, more than the other titles, which allowed the champion to retain the, t the title, and it, the competitor or the challenger didn't lose any heat by not obtaining the title. It gave it a sport-like feel. You will hear me say this phrase often on today's episode. The matchmaking strategy was often utilized as a heat-building device so that the heel, you know, the bad guy, the villain, could retain their title and help the heel get over and the babyface get over with the fans. Many legendary wrestlers have both carried and have had some of the most interesting factoids regarding the TV championship. The longest NWA TV title reign belongs to Tully Blanchard at 353 days, while the record with the longest TV world TV title reign goes to AA Arn Anderson at 336 days. We'll get into some more stats in just a bit on longevity, total reigns, and the superstars and Hall of Famers that carried those championships. The last wrestler, and we'll talk about this at the, the conclusion of the history of the title, the last superstar wrestler to hold the WCW World TV title was Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and we'll discuss this later on, what led to those events. With that said, let's go back and remember some of the greatest superstars to ever hold the television championship. A quick note on the history of the title, Danny Miller defeated Ole Anderson in a tournament final to become the first ever NWA Mid-Atlantic Television Champion. Now, some of the champions you may have heard of, of course, they're Hall of Famers, a lot of them, most of them, if you're, you know, the quote-unquote long-term Mark fan that knows the history of professional wrestling in and out, some names you may go back and say, oh, that's right, he was a title holder, and others you'd say, wow, they actually held the TV title. My personal history, the TV title meant a lot to me because I remember seeing it defended in those 10 to 15 minute time limit intervals and it made it exciting. It made me as a fan I'd go to the edge of my seat on a Saturday night program. Is Joe Schmo going to defeat Arn Anderson to become the television title champion? He could win it within 10 minutes, could he? Or could AA hold out, stretch the time limit, and not win or pin, submit, or defeat his opponent, just narrowly escape via the time limit. The Great Muda was one of the champions I first remember back in Jim Crockett promotion days, leading into the purchase of WCW, or the NWA turning into WCW by Ted Turner. And although the Great Muda was only a one-time TV champion, his impact and legacy made the Japanese legend a memorable TV title holder. First appearing in the NWA-WCW in 1989, Muda battled the likes of Ric Flair and Lex Luger. But these rivalries paled in comparison to the one Muda shared with the man called Sting. In September of 1989, the innovator of the Shining Wizard defeated WCW's face-painted franchise player at a live event in Atlanta to capture the television championship. 
When I was seven years old, this was actually one of the very few uh, matches I attended in Atlanta. I was, as some of you that are Beyond the Bell fans would know, I'm based in the Northeast, New York, WWF guy. That's why I grew up going to Madison Square Garden every month. In this case, we were going on a family vacation, and we traveled through Atlanta, and I'm not sure if my dad had it <laughs> on, on the docket for our family vacation or not, but I remember us going to a house show, a live event in Atlanta, where in which I saw this event take place with the great Muda becoming TV champion. And I just remember my dad telling me, son, this is not normal. This is unexpected. This does not happen. The great Muda's victory solidified his reputation in the United States as he su successfully defended the title against tough opponents like Dick Murdoch and Eddie Gilbert during his 121-day reign as champion. Sting tried to reclaim the title from the great one, the original great Muda. From the land of the rising sun, the superstar was able to sustain all competitors and defeat Sting on multiple occasions, in fact, but ultimately failed in the end it was the muscle of the four horsemen, Arn Anderson, who brought an end to Muda's sole TV title reign. The dog-faced gremlin Rick Steiner was one half of the legendary tag team, the Steiner Brothers, as we all know, future Hall of Famers, if Scott learns to keep quiet in certain interviews, as seven-time WCW Tag Team Champion and two-time WWE World Tag Team Champion, Rick and Scott left an unquestionable impact as a tag team in the industry. But Rick also enjoyed a great deal of success as a singles competitor. As a three-time television title holder, the dog-faced gremlin's first title victory may be the most memorable. And quite not just for himself, but in the championship's illustrious history. As a member of the Varsity Club, Rick Steiner was often mocked and ridiculed by stablemates Mike Rotunda and Kevin Sullivan. Fed up with his treatment, Steiner left the faction and challenged Rotunda for the television championship at Starcade 88. Few believed the Gremlin had a chance against Rotunda, but he overcame the odds and beat his arch nemesis in front of more than 10,000 fans in Norfolk, Virginia. The reaction Steiner received was when the official count of three remains one of the loudest ovations in wrestling history, especially for a mid-card title. Surprisingly, Rick Steiner, one of the most underrated and underknown television champions of all time. So from one end of the spectrum to the other to a two-time WWE Hall of Famer, the Nature Boy Ric Flair, also a TV title holder. The television championship has long been regarded as a title that launched careers and proved a competitor's credibility. It shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that the first championship won by the two-time Hall of Famer and 16-time world champion, the Nature Boy, was the television title. Not yet the Nature Boy, he would one day become a young flair defeated Paul Jones for the TV title in 1975. After surviving a near-failed plane crash the same year, Flair's future in professional wrestling was questionable. Miraculously, he persevered, returning to the ring in 76 before beating Rufus R. Jones to win the TV championship for a second time in April of 1977. Flair lost the title to longtime rival The Dragon, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, after 72 days, but he went on to become one of the greatest superstars to ever set foot inside the squared circle, and his first taste of gold was the TV title. From Ric Flair to another legend, another forefather of the industry, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. By 1985, Dusty was a three-time NWA champion and one of the most popular superstars in the entire world. 
But during his renowned rivalry with the Four Horsemen in the mid-80s, the dream brought a heightened relevance to the prestige to the television title. This is one of the cases where the title, the superstar or the wrestler can make the title as opposed to the title making the superstar. Rhodes defeated Tully Blanchard after a hard-fought rivalry, but the dream brought that relevance and that heightened prestige to the television title through a series of rough matches, brawls with Tully, not just Tully, but Arn Anderson as well, over the title. Rhodes defeated Blanchard twice for the championship with his first victory, ending the Horseman's record 353-day reign as title holder. Dusty's second run as champion finished prematurely due to injury, resulting in the title being vacated. Although AA won a tournament for the title and reigned for over 248 days, it was the American Dream who defeated the Enforcer to reclaim his prize. The Hall of Famer's final TV title reign ended at the hands of Tully Blanchard at Starcade 86, but the status of the championship carried on thanks to the blood, sweat, and tears that the American Dream left on the mat in his pursuit of the title. It gave it even more relevance and prestige within not just the organization, but the entire industry. Mentioned previously, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. He held a number of prestigious championships throughout his legendary career, including the NWA World title and the Intercontinental Championship. But before he captured those prestigious championships in their own right, Steamboat played a crucial role in bringing prestige and honor to the television championship. In 1977, the Dragon won the NWA Mid-Atlantic NWA TV Championship. Say that three times fast. The NWA Mid-Atlantic slash NWA Television Championship. Or you could just say the NWA Mid-Atlantic TV title. The precursor to the WCW TV title, which I mentioned earlier. The victory helped young Steamboat make a name for himself in professional wrestling. Especially since the star he defeated was a rising up-and-coming legend in the name of the nature boy, Ric Flair. Steamboat beat Paul Jones to capture the title a second time in 1978 before it was vacated in 1980. This is when the Dragon returned to WCW in the 90s where the Hall of Famer won the TV title two more times following legendary battles with stunning Steve Austin and Paul Orndorff. So the Dragon leaves WCW comes back and holds the TV title in both stints within the organization. Another superstar that made the title so relevant with his excellent and thrilling matches, making the title even more prestigious and more garnered as a superstar to compete for within the industry. Tully Blanchard, the Four Horsemen, the elite member of the group, as a founding member of the Four Horsemen, WWE Hall of Famer Tully Blanchard was synonymous with toughness in professional wrestling. Acclaimed for his tag team with AA, also known as the Brain Busters, Tully was also a formidable singles competitor, which he made clear during his record-setting 353-day three, reign, easy for me to say, as television champion. Blanchard first defeated Mark Youngblood, for the title in March of 1984 and held it for nearly a year before losing it to the American Dream. The Hall of Famers traded championships three times between 1985 and 86, and it symbolized the deep animosity between the Four Horsemen and the American Dream. Blanchard defeated the Dream at Starcade 86 to end the rivalry over the championship and went on to hold the championship for an impressive 263 days. Still, Blanchard's initial almost 355-day reign, 353 days to be exact, remains the standard bearer. This is the very dapper Tully Blanchard World Television Champion along with Baby Dolly's Perfect Ten, still holding on to the World Television title and something you've been known to do, and that's to hold on to titles for a long time. Well, you know, Tony Schiavone, you got to be born to be a champion. You know, you can just get in the ring, but you got to have it in your blood to be able to hold on to it. It's one thing, one, two, three, but then Dusty Rhodes, see, you held it for 
what, six weeks, eight weeks? And then Dusty Rhodes is no longer the champion. I have it, the World Television Championship. Now, Dusty Rhodes, just a short thing about you. When you're the former champion, when you've been defeated, you've got to go back down and reprove yourself. Reprove yourself. Go back to the bottom of that ladder. There's a lot of people that deserve shots at the World Television Champion because I'm a fighting champion. I'm not somebody that just hides in the closet. You know, there's raging bullies in the ring that people are going to get to see him right now. He's a great, great man, a great contender. Ronnie Garvin, the national heavyweight champion. You just saw him, how tough he is. Magnum T.A., the U.S. heavyweight champion. And the list goes on and on. Maybe even Dick Slater. You know, there's a lot of tough people that deserve shots at this. So, Dusty Rhodes, don't come out here on television, on national television, on the Superstation, and talk like you're the only one in the world that can wrestle me. Because I tell you what, Dusty Rhodes... You've got to prove yourself to me again because I am the champion. I am the man that dictates all the rules when it has to do with the world's television championship. And don't you forget it because you know Dusty Rhodes, when Baby Doll and I walk down that aisle or go through the airports, any parts of the country, it's a great thing when they say, there goes the world's television champion. And Dusty Rhodes, they don't say that about you anymore. He is the world television champion, Tully Blanchard. Lord Steven Regal, an underrated but also valued television title holder. Given the long line of workhorses who carried it, the WCW television title was often representative of the toughest competitors in the Atlanta-based organization. And few WCW TV champions were tougher than Lord Steven Regal, now known as William Regal, the general manager of NXT at the time of this recording. Regal captured the TV title on four separate occasions, with all of his reigns combining for a total of 557 days as champion. The British Brawler's title victories didn't come easily, though, as he, was, as he wrestled the championship away from Ricky Steamboat, Lex Luger, Larry Zbysko, and the Ultimo Dragon. Tough, tough lineup there. Beating four legendary competitors, the dangerous Regal proved that he could hold his own against any superstar in any match style. And especially, he made the title look good around his waist. From a lord to a king... King Booker, Booker T, between 1993 and 97, Booker T and his brother Stevie Ray captured the WCW Tag Team Championships 10 times as Harlem Heat. An injury to Stevie Ray in late 97, though, prompted Booker to chase the television championship as a singles competitor, making history at the first as the, the first ever African American to win the title. Booker T bested the Disco Inferno to capture the prize in December of 1997 and went on to hold the title on a record six occasions, helping to maintain the competitive nature and importance of the title during a time when the New World Order dominated WCW's airwaves. Booker battled fear competitors like Scott Steiner and Fit Finley for control of the title. The TV title was crucial to Booker T's evolution as a singles competitor, becoming a five-time WCW World Champion and a former WWE World Heavyweight Champion later on in his career. This tenure during Booker T's reigns as champion reminded me back to when I first saw the TV title defended by Arn Anderson. The competitive nature between the stars of that division at the time, between, like I said, Booker T, Fit Finley, you actually even throw Rick Martel in the mix. I know some competitors would jump from the U.S. title division to the TV title division back and forth. But as a viewer of Nitro each week, I enjoyed watching those mid-card matches. Yes, the NWO was it, was the hot thing, but as a pure fan of the arts of sports entertainment professional wrestling, I enjoyed those competitive matches. Again, it gave it a sport-like feel that I loved back in the NWA WCW days during Jim Crockett Promotions, but Booker T and company gave that feel to the championship. You know, you felt at any given week, a champion a championship could switch hands. And now looking back at certain times, you would scratch your head saying, why would you flip it here and then flip it back here and then back again at the TV, at the pay-per-view. But in a way it could happen in a real sports like environment. And it did with this division at this era with Booker T at the helm 
at the same time, with him pushing through these competitors, it also gave him legitimacy as a singles competitor. It may not have been the world title, but it was a launching pad for him to become the Hall of Famer, the eventual Hall of Famer that he now is. From one Hall of Famer to another, to a superstar that revolutionized the industry. It's, and it's in a whole different era, a whole different phenomenon. From currently a stone-cold superstar, he became a stunning television champion. Stunning Steve Austin. Before Stone Cold opened up a can of whoop-ass and became arguably the most popular WWE superstar even superstar in general in professional wrestling, sports entertainment, you name it. He competed as stunning Steve Austin in World Championship Wrestling. During his tenure in WCW, the Texas Rattlesnake began to solidify his reputation in legendary confrontations against Barry Windham and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat over the WCW TV title. First defeating Bobby Eaton for the championship, in June of 1991, Austin won the title two times for combined reign of 431 days as champion, proving he was one of the toughest members of Paul E. Dangerously's Dangerous Alliance. When the Hall of Famer lost the championship for the first time in a two out of three falls match to Barry Windham, he regained it in less than a month and dominated all challengers for the majority of 1992. This is during a time when Ric Flair exited the promotion. Eventually, the Texas Rattlesnake moved on to greater prizes, such as becoming one of the greatest WWE champions of all time. So many superstars have held that title. The television title has been synonymous with superstars' careers, launching them, from one point to another, or like we stated before with Booker T, from a tag team competitor to a bonafide single star, from cruiserweights that would leave the cruiserweight division, having the opportunity to become television champion, Chris Jericho trying to make it a launching pad for themselves, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, you can go on and on with the stars that have held that title, Bobby Eaton, an underrated workhorse to hold the television championship, but to me and to most individuals, the superstar you may think or associate the television title with was none other than the enforcer Arn Anderson. No competitor was more closely associated with the TV title other than Double A. A four-time holder of the championship, Arn defended the title for more than 100 days every time he carried it. Given the TV time limits often enforced during battles for the title, Defeating the founding member of the Four Horsemen was no easy task. Regarded as one of the toughest competitors of all time, the Horseman brought a great deal of prestige to the TV title. He stopped dangerous competitors such as the Great Muda, Buzz Sawyer during his multiple title reigns, just to name a couple. Veterans and newcomers alike challenged the Enforcer for the championship, but most ended up in a chiropractor's waiting room after feeling double-A spinebuster. In our quest to destroy Dusty Rhodes, I started to kind of look over something, and that's my bread and butter. I'm talking about the World Television Championship. Now, for week in and week out, and all the months since I've been champion, I went right on this TV, put my reputation on the line, defending against top names, Garvin, Wahoo McDaniels, Rhodes himself, Robert Gibson, Ricky Morton. I'm still a World Television Championship. You see the little misfortune we've had within the Horsemen. I'm talking about Tully Blanchard. The whole scheme of things, professional wrestling, any sporting event is based on one fact. It's called human error. If there wasn't human error, any sporting event would all be equal. If everybody was perfect, there would be no winners and no losers. But one brief little setback does not inflict on the Four Horsemen regime, if you understand what I'm saying. But what it did to me, it did make me realize, snap me back to reality. So on any given night when two top professionals enter the ring, anybody's got can get beat. So that kind of snapped me back to my bread and butter, the thing that qualified me to be one of the four horsemen. So Rhodes, Garvin, Wahoo McDaniels, Rock and Roll Express, Dick Murdoch, I don't care who you are, just remember one thing. I'm on my tiptoes. I know you're after me. So when we crawl in the ring, 
same storyline, one fall, 20 minutes, and there's not an individual on the face of this earth can beat me in 20 minutes. Let's make an example out of a couple of punks. Ole and Arn Anderson, and now they're going to the ring where we will see that they talk a good fight and fight an even better one, Tony. And Some statistics on the television title. Like I stated previously, Arn Anderson held it four times for a total combined reign of 870 days. Ricky Steamboat just behind him with a four-time title reign with 748 days total. Tully Blanchard, a three-time champion at 685 days. Lord Steven Regal, a four-time champion at 557 days. Mike Rotunda, a name we didn't mention that much this evening, three-time holder for 433 days total. Stunning Steve Austin, two-time champion at 431 days. Paul Jones, a five-time champion, but just 380 days. Not just, but comparing it to other title holders that held it not as many times as P.J. Paul Jones. The Nature Boy, a two-time champion for 253 days. Johnny B. Bad, I'm not sure you can call him one of the greatest champions, but if you're a WCW fan in the early 90s, you can associate him with that title. A three-time champion at 240 days. And then Dusty Rhodes, a three-time title holder at 227 total days. The TV title has presented so many great moments and matches. And I want to just bring up a few in which you can go back through a lot of them on the WWE Network and also on Dailymotion and YouTube by searching these matches. If you can't find them on the network, my suggestion is go to YouTube and then Dailymotion as your third resource. You're bound to find most of these matches on the internet or through the WWE Network. Charlie Brown versus the Great Kabuki in Starcade 1983 for the TV title in a title versus mask match. Charlie Brown puts his mask on the line against the Great Kabuki's TV title. It's a, anytime a mask versus anything is, is exciting to watch, but a mask versus title, definitely want to check out. March 16th, 1985 in Greensboro, North Carolina, Dusty Rhodes won the title and was renamed the NWA World Television Championship. He traded reigns with Tully Blanchard in mid-85, leading to July 6th at the Great American Bash, where the Dream regained the title in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'll definitely go back to check out those back-and-forth matches between March and July of 1985 with Tully Blanchard. Dusty Rhodes versus Arn Anderson WCW Pro, this may be one you have to go to YouTube or Daily Motion, September 9th, 1986. Dusty Rhodes' problems with the Horseman led him to a match with Arn Anderson for the TV title on that evening. November 27th, 1986, Tully Blanchard against Dusty Rhodes. Starcade in a first blood match. On the network, Starcade 86, first blood, Tully Blanchard, Dusty Rhodes, first blood, first blood, first blood. Go watch it. November 26, 1987, Nikita Koloff taking on Terry Taylor in Chicago, Illinois to unify the UWF television title and the NWA World TV title. May 7, 1989, Sting versus the Iron Sheik, one of the few NWA WCW appearances for the Sheik. Wrestle War 1989, Sting defended his title against the Iron Sheik in a classic match, well, <laughs> a classic Sting match, let's say. Not a classic in its entirety, but a decent one for Sting. But a memorable, uh, I'd say a memorable TV title defense by the Stinger. This was an example of the matchup variety and potential feuds that developed because of the championship itself. So if you're not just looking for pure match quality, if you're looking for the sheer impact that the TV title made by its placement in the card, etc., Tune in to this matchup. The title was held up on July 23rd of 1989 when Sting beat Muda. But a replay showed Muda's shoulder was up. And rematch resulted in disqualifications until this match in which Muda pinned Sting to win the title. I recommend July 23rd, 1989. Sting against Muda. The Great Muda versus Arn Anderson. WCW's Power Hour. WCW Pow Hour from January 12th, 1990. One of Japan's best, the, Muda, the great Muda defended the TV title against AA. Bobby Eaton versus Stunning Steve Austin. WCW Worldwide, June 29th, 1991. 
Lady Blossom makes a pre- her presence known in that matchup. January 7th, 1991, WCW Worldwide, Arn Anderson winning the title on an episode that aired on tape delay on February 2nd, 1991. But during Anderson's reign, the title was renamed to the WCW World Television Championship. But I suggest checking out WCW Worldwide January 7th, 1991 to see the rebranding of the WCW TV title. Steve Austin's first reign was on June 3rd, 1991. On an episode of Worldwide, he would trade reigns with Barry Windham and Ricky Steamboat. So I suggest checking out Windham vs. Austin, June 13th, 1992 in which Wyndham defend the title against stunning Steve Austin, who happens to have Polly dangerously in his corner. Always fun to watch with the big foam. September 2nd, 1992, Ricky Steamboat defeated Steve Austin on Clash of the Champions 20. Check out those two matches, 91 and 92. November of 1992 is which Scott Steiner was stripped of the title after he and his brother Rick left for the World Wrestling Federation which caused a whole uh, change of lineage for the title from the early 90s going into mid-1994, 95. Uh, but Orndorff, Paul Orndorff around this time was making his presence known within the division, but Orndorff defeating Eric Watts in a tournament final on WCW Power Hour to become the new champion. The episode aired on tape delay on March 27th, 1993. I was just going back to look at that matchup. Lord Steven Regal defeated Ricky Steamboat on September 19th, 1993 at Fall Brawl. Check that out on the network. This led to a long reign for Regal leading into May of 1994. On WCW Saturday Night, Larry Zabisco won the title for the first and only time. It was a short reign as Regal regained the title a little over a month later at Clash of the Champions 27. I definitely suggest checking out those exchanges. Also go back to 1997, the battles between Regal and Ultimo Dragon. Just type in Regal versus Ultimo Dragon TV title. If you want to add 97 to that, to narrow it down, excellent matches between the two. Disco Inferno versus Alex Wright, an underrated match. From Monday Nitro, September 22nd, 1997. The Inferno sets WCW on fire. Well, in his own way, as he upsets Alex Wright for the TV title. One of the matches, like I just stated earlier in 97, the battles between Ultimo Dragon and Regal uh, just came to my mind. The actual one of the matches from Nitro, July 22nd, 1997, Dragon versus Regal. It was a great clash on Monday Nitro for the TV title. Check out that date specifically. Booker T versus Rick Martel. February 16th, 1998 edition of Monday Nitro. Martel gets a shot at Booker T's coveted TV title. Check that one out. Then in 1998, Benoit had a long feud with Booker T. They fought over the WCW Television Championship until Booker T lost the title to Fit Finley. Booker won a best-of-seven series, which was held between the two to determine the number one contender. Benoit went up 3-1 to one before Booker caught up, forcing the seventh and final match on Monday Nitro. During the match, Bret Hart interjected himself, interfering on behalf of Benoit in an attempt to get him to join the NWO. Benoit refused to win that way and told the referee what happened, getting himself disqualified, in fact. Booker refused the victory, instead opting for an eighth match at the Great American Bash to see who would fight Finley later that night. Booker won the final match and went on to beat Finley for the title. This feud significantly elevated both men's careers as singles competitors and both remained at the top of the mid-card afterward. And this set a great precedent going forward using the best of seven matches Go back. I know anything involving Benoit is a little shaky, feels a little weird, but if you don't, if you can get past that feeling, just look at the wrestling itself. The best of seven, Booker T and Benoit classics. July 14th, 1998, Stevie Ray was awarded the championship by a power of attorney, quote unquote, which he claimed came from his injured brother, Booker T. 
Now, this is not a great moment. This is a moment. This was starting to be the downfall of the television title. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But during this time, there were a couple classics that popped through, one of which was Scott Steiner versus Conan from Nitro January 4th, 1999. Members of the NWO and NWO Wolf Pack, Black and White and Red and Black, would collide as Tony Schiavone gave away WWE's Monday Night Raw results on the air during the match. But that match signified the change in the division, and you can kind of see the decline of the importance of the title at the time, and WCW was trying to just keep... afloat, you know, going 99 into 2000 after WWF took a hold of the Monday Night War and the ratings battle, and the TV title really took a backseat and went from elevating superstars, providing sports-like field matches and competitive matches to an afterthought or a joke as a part of a ridiculous storyline. There were three key points, I think, that led to the end of the WCW television title. One you can point to right away is Scott Hall being near the title, because I believe he thought it was a joke towards the end of his tenure at WCW. So one and two kind of go hand in hand. Scott Hall even being near the title, and then Scott Hall throwing the television championship into the trash. During Vince Russo's first run as WCW Booker in the fall of 1999, Scott Hall held both the WCW United States and television championship. If you were to go back in Scott Hall's career, even as the Diamond Stud, I believe he would have coveted the TV title. But to him now at this stage, it was an afterthought. On November 21st, 1999, Scott Hall was awarded the TV gold at Mayhem via default when Rick Steiner was unable to defend the championship due to injury. Being that Hall was a double champion, he was asked on November 29th, 1999 by... Amway salesman Chavo Guerrero Jr. Another story for another time, folks, okay? That's the worst of WCW. When he would defend the title, he would tell him when to defend the title and when the TV title championship would be up for grabs next. Hall responded that he hadn't met any TV stars nor gotten any free TV dinners, thus the title didn't mean jack to him. With the help from Kevin Nash... Hall threw the championship, okay, guys and gals, threw the championship into the garbage. And the WCW Television Championship, with 20 years of history, was vacated like that. Such a shame. Now, tonight, you're taking on Big Sid for the U.S. title. U.S. title. Right. But when are you going to start defending the TV title? Kev, what is the deal with this TV belt anyway, man? I get no free TV dinners. I didn't get to meet Ted Turner. I didn't meet no TV stars. I mean, this thing's, this piece of tin's useless. I can give me that. I got here, to take it. Grab that trash can. Yeah. What are you guys going to do here? Is this a little basketball? Big Kevin Nash, number 69. Oh, the stop. Two points. Let's go. They have thrown away the WCW World Television title belt. They slam dunked it. So I guess it's going to be just for the U.S. title. They, uh, I guess in their they own, do whatever they want, Tony. I guess, you know they, that. I guess in their own outsider's way, they've retired that TV belt. Then, not only, you would hope as a fan, okay, just, just let it be. Don't make it any worse. Somehow they made it worse with Hacksaw Jim Duggan finding it in the trash can. This is when he was dressed up like a janitor and gr- taking the title. Something real shiny. 
Wait a minute. I got it. It is garbage. What on? It's the WCW television title. Wow. Scott Hall threw it away. No, folks, I don't think those Primadonna millionaires realized when they threw this in the trash. In 20 years history of professional wrestling, this represents the best that there is. 20 years. That's longer than all these other fancy damn wrestling shows combined. So I'm going to tell you what Hacksaw Jim Douglas is going to do. I'm going to take this belt home. I'm going to polish it. I'm going to clean it. I'm going to slam sandblast if I have to. Turn it sideways. Maybe I understand more than anybody else what this belt means. Because they try to throw Hacksaw Dougie in the garbage before. Also, during Vince Russo's first run, Hacksaw Jim Duggan was fired by the powers that be in October of 1999 and, as a way to be hired back and make a living for his family, rehired to be a member of WCW's janitorial staff. Yes, that's correct. Cleaning and scrubbing away for four months, Hacksaw came out on an edition of WCW Saturday Night with a bag full of garbage. In a rare act of continuity, which is surprising, right, from Vince Russo's first reign to Kevin Sullivan's brief booking stint in the winter of 2000, Hacksaw stated that as a janitor, he discovered the television championship in the trash at the November 29th, 1999 show in Denver, Colorado. This is where this all took place. Since it was discarded as a championship, and because Hacksaw recovered the title, Hacksaw officially announced himself as WCW television champion, and he would defend it against all comers. This became a hard, the WCW's version of WWF's hardcore title, even though WCW created their own separate hardcore title. Yes, I know, I know. Completely out of left field as it sounds, some thought the segment came off well. I, as a fan, was just happy to see the beautiful WCW television title come back. I just like the look of that title. But I didn't like how it was brought back. But at least I was glad it was on my television screen. And Hacksaw became a fighting WCW television champion to the demise of the promotion. It's just, it's tremendous what the WCW did with such lineage and such championships and such prestige. But during the this end tenure of the title, it was rumored that the WCW TV championship was to be the centerpiece of WCW Saturday Night. I love this idea. This is something you might not know, fans. As it was rumored throughout everyone in WCW at the time period, Jimmy Hart was the booker of WCW Saturday Night. Bischoff gave him free reign. To an extent, of course, as much as you can. But Jimmy was in charge of the WCW's former flagship show. 605 Eastern Time. We talked about it early on, early on in season one of Beyond the Bell. With legitimate zero care towards the show by management and the company alike, 
Jimmy and Hacksaw wanted to turn the program into its own separate entity on WCW, utilizing young talent from the power plant and veterans that were thrown to the wayside. Kind of the precursor now to what we see with NXT. Saturday Night became a territory of some sort for the misfits of the company. They had so many superstars on the roster that were traveling to these shows. Why not utilize them? Rumors were abound that Jimmy Hart planned on making the TV title the focal point of the show, and more importantly, other championships would be coming aboard as well. As exciting as that may be, once Vince Russo and, importantly, Eric Bischoff took over creative of WCW once again in April of 2000, Saturday Night became a recap show. The TV title became vacant, and the dreams of diehard wrestling fans officially went to the wayside. Oh, what could have been with that storyline? Granted, WCW probably still would have went under, but I like that idea. You have these championships. Why not make a show the focal point of one specific title? Yes, you have the world title. You have the U.S. title. Let those be defended on Thunder and Nitro and the pay-per-views. Let the up-and-comers clamor for that television title. Let that be that springboard for them going forward. Uh, that's one of the things that I enjoy now with the current product with the North American title, giving that opportunity. You know, you have the United Kingdom title, which could lead to a separate brand to be the focal point. But I like that idea, having a certain title be the focal point of a show. The Cruiserweight 205 Live centered around the Cruiserweight title. Rumors being, at the time of this recording, Cruiserweight Tag Team Championships coming abroad, 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 aboard on that show. But nevertheless... That idea I thought would have been a solid one for WCW and could have led to some interesting matches. Possibly we could have seen AJ Styles, young AJ Styles, on WCW Saturday night competing for the TV title. You know, others, James Storm, etc. Those that were Christopher Daniels that made their presence known early on in their careers in the dying days of WCW. That's one way to use it back then that they thought of. Now I would like to look back at how the television title could work today. Half of the national tag team champions, Iron Anderson, and again, the new world's television champion. I have to congratulate him on this because you have to respect a man that went through a tournament with all the top wrestlers in the world and came up the winner. Amen. You finally admitted it, didn't you, David Crockett? You know, everybody is always growing up. They're always wanting to be somebody. I wish I was so-and-so. I wish I was so-and-so. Well, at this particular point in time, I'm ecstatic just to be me. I think you've got a tape of the tournament. I'd really like to see that, David Crockett. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's watch some of the tournament for the world's television title that Iron Anderson won. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you just saw some of the tournament for the world's television title. David in the immortal words of Julius Caesar, Caesar, I came, I saw, I conquered, despite all the adversity between Jim Crockett Promotions, the four horsemen have prevailed once again. We are saturated. There are many defunct titles in the world of wrestling. Some are forgotten, while others are sorely missed. Titles like the Hardcore ECW and before uh, recently the Cruiserweight title were looked upon with fond memories for many fans. Like the United States Tag Team titles and the Six-Man Tag Team Championships aren't really ever discussed as opposed to the ones I just mentioned. Um, the television title is one of those that people remember and people I think would like to have back in a way. People clamor for the Cruiserweight title and now it's back. The WCW TV title was used in a very interesting way. It was held up by, or should I say it was held by up-and-coming superstars to give them a boost. Mid-card stars the company didn't trust with a major title and main event stars to give them something to do until a bigger feud opened up. A stopgap in a way. Prestige. The TV title has a long history, and it's one that's filled with both marquee and unknown names, too. Bringing back the title, keeping the lineage WCW had with it, would give WWE a way to show a little more appreciation to the wrestlers from WCW and utilize the history of the WWE network that could be seen you know, for thousands and thousands of hours. This title could be used for by just about everyone who mattered in some way or another. 
Hall of Famers, Legends of Hell, the title, Sting, Steve Austin, and Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Regal. You know, we can go on and on. Paul Orndorff, Arn Anderson. Those have all benefited from that title. Now, you could look at it, maybe the name could be changed because we're moving away from you know, the pure or old-fashioned television model. You know, a lot of companies now use an internet champion. Um, but if you look at today's superstars, or if you relate them to the previous superstars back in, quote-unquote, back in the day that held the title, stars like Alex Wright, Prince Ikea, Chris Jericho, Diamond Dallas Page, you know, held the title early on in their runs as a way to give them a quick push. And now WWE has a long list of stars that could benefit you know, stars Cesaro, Luke Harper, uh, Kofi Kingston, all the New Day, you know, uh, Big E. Uh, at the time, people really thought that um, Kofi Kingston, and even now, could be a main event player, one point or another, you know. And Tyler Breeze, Fandango, you know, I wish he was back. Neville, Sami Zayn, you know, those stars could benefit from having a TV title reign or having the opportunity to defend it within those specific rules. Again, a title that has separate rules makes it different. That's one of the things I think people enjoyed about the hardcore title. Even though it became ridiculous with the 24-7 rule after a while, it made the title separate and interesting. At the same time, superstars who are treading water in the, in the company might get a boost of confidence. You know, we definitely saw that with Neville becoming Cruiserweight Champion. WCW was smart to have major superstars hold the title from time to time to give it a more glossy shine, give it more prestige. You know, when a main event superstars is without a major angle, holding the TV title can give them something to do between major feuds. Like Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Dusty Rhodes held the title to increase his prestige. Randy Orton, John Cena could do the same for the title. You know, maybe not John Cena as much now. Randy Orton can definitely be one to give a rub. A returning Bobby Lashley, you know, can give it a rub. You have uh, stars that are ten- that are tenured within the industry, but not WWE. Samoa Joe, Bobby Roode, Eric Young coming up now. Andrade Cien Almas. We can go on and on. Drew McIntyre. You know, sometimes, here's an example of Randy Orton. Sometimes he seems bored. And why, why shouldn't he be? You know, he, it goes up and back. He t- takes a back seat to other superstars at a certain time. He's been around so for so long. He's done so much. You know, we always see Randy Orton. You can say in cruise control at certain times. Maybe a TV title reign would give a little boost. Him trying to sneak his way out like the Viper out of the time limit, you know, if he's a heel or trying to just get, even if you're a heel or a babyface, you're still within the rules to try to go the full distance, 10, 15 minutes, just survive, you know, the, and keep the TV title. And as the challenger, you're trying to win within that 10, 15 minutes to, to try to capture the gold. It's a different, to me, it's a different and exciting way to promote matches and have title defenses. So one way you could look at it is in order to drive up interest in the title, uh, WWE would have to make a big to-do, you know, of course. Like when they introduced the European title, called the tournament, etc. You can give it that sports-like feel. You could have it dead. I would do the, the, or follow the mentality of the rumored WWE Saturday Night philosophy where make the, TV title a focus of a single show you know uh, previously when you had separate shows like main event and superstars associated with specific brands previously it was Velocity and Heat you could have a TV title or a specific title you know be a part of that one show have them go have competitors contend for that one show Kurt Hawkins can try to break his defeated streak and go for the title Zack Ryder can go for that TV title but again, what you need to do is make it separate. You know, make the division separate, like the cruiserweight, cruiserweight wrestlers. Not the X division where no, no limits is, you know, there's no weight limits, no limits. No, anything goes, no. Defined, 10 to 15 minute time limits. The superstar, the challenger has to pin or submit the champion in 10 to 15 minutes. Or else the champion retains. You, know, you can also do a, a draw where the champion retains and the challenger has to try their luck in the lottery. You know, you could do 
a ranking system. What happens to the ranking system on SmackDown? There was one ranking uh, system, and that was it. One, one ranking, and they disappeared. But I like the sports-like feel where superstars are contending to move up the ladder to get that opportunity for 10 to 15 minutes to capture the gold. You know, making the champion defend the title every week would also give bragging rights to those who would hold it for extended periods. Like when you had the U.S. Open Challenge or Seth Rollins wanting to defend the IC title every week. Gives the title prestige and the, the superstar holding it as well. Having tag or singles champions also holding the TV title would make it look even better you know, in general for the title and for the team. It makes it look different that tag team wrestlers aren't really confined to the tag team division. Teams like The Bar, Cesaro, and Sheamus, great singles competitors, can team up and also go separately too for singles matches. The New Day you know, have done everything tag team-wise, can split up and also go for singles matches. The amount of upsides to the scenario... Heavily outweigh, I think, the downsides. The, the downsides really is adding another title to the list of heavily used titles in the company already. And the only way I think this would work is if it's specifically designated to one show and there's not cross-blending of the titles between different shows, um, respectively. Especially with the rumor new Fox deal coming up in 2019 with SmackDown moving over to uh, the Fox network, possibly a TV title on Fox TV would make sense, maybe, but then you also have the U.S. title. You don't want to diminish having too many titles. But me, I'm just a fan of the television championship. Now, you may think, okay, well, Sean, it's not really a television era anymore, like I stated previously. Okay, should we use the internet title name? that other companies have had or what a lot of people have 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 suggested if we see I've seen it on message boards and uh Reddit forums etc where they've used or have recommended going with the WWE Network Championship where you can have an exclusive show on the WWE Network in which the title is defended only on the network which means during the weekly show if there's one that you would apply to it whether it's main event superstars create its own show additional show, and then it is defended on pay-per-views, which are seen on the WWE Network. The title can only be defended on the WWE Network, just like people recommended house show championships, where titles only defended on house shows. Again, you're diluting things, but at the same time, shaking things up. I know I'm rambling, but it's the fact that it's the WCW Television Championship. And as we wrap up this special edition, this return edition of Beyond the Bell, I just want all of you to go back in time and just remember and relive the greatest moments, matches, and superstars of the television title division. A title that I believe is really underrated. And from the look of the title, changing over the years, having a similar, similar look to the United States title in the Jim Crockett promotion days, early on with WCW being acquired by Ted Turner, to the newer version of the championship, which I really liked, had a similar um, styling of the big gold belt, a little smaller, but it had that classic look to it. Of course, it's hard to, to describe without viewing it, so type in WCW television title in your Google machine, and you'll see it pop up, and it's one of, for me, one of the, the cooler-looking titles in the 90s. But overall, the WCW television championship has springboarded superstars from singles, tag teams, to singles competitors, from different divisions, bringing them up to heavyweight divisions or main event players, or those that were dwindling or trying to find their way in the mid-card, gave it a boost for them to become main event players. Plus, it also gave us exciting matches. Early on, the sports-like field, time limit, mentality of the division, set it apart from other titles. The Four Horsemen, Having it a part of the group made it very prestigious as well. To its untimely demise with being thrown in the trash by Scott Hall and being found by a janitor known as Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I myself will, will remember those great matches, best of seven series. The first blood match, Arn Anderson, Arn Anderson Tully Blanchard. And me as a kid, you know, seven, eight-year-old kid watching WCW Saturday night watching Double A defend 
his TV title each week. After this quick break, we'll wrap up this week's edition and preview what's coming up on Beyond the Bell as we wrap up Season 1 covering World Championship Wrestling. You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Beyond the Bell. You can listen to Beyond the Bell on iTunes, Player.fm, the SNS Radio Network, Podbay.fm, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and our official website, btbcast.com. Connect socially on Facebook and Twitter at btbcast. Watch retro videos on our official YouTube channel, btbcast network. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be sent to contact at btbcast.com go old school with beyond the bell well my fellow old school fans beyond the bell is back again i apologize for the long hiatus my goal is for us to come back stronger than ever on a consistent basis to provide you with old school memories as we go back in time to relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling Over the next few weeks, we're going to wrap up Season 1, covering World Championship Wrestling. We're going to look back at the Clash of the Champions. We'll look back at War Games. And then Starcade. Right now, I'm unsure if I'm going to do one whole show just covering the history of Starcade, or we should break down Starcade year by year. That could be a whole other season covering Starcade on a yearly basis, as I have the material for WrestleMania on a year-by-year basis. So I'm debating whether or not to do a full history show or having separate shows covering each Starcade throughout its history. So that's upcoming. Definitely a Starcade show. I'll let you know in what capacity soon. And then we'll wrap it up looking back at WCW's greatest gems, the greatest moments in WCW's illustrious history. And that will wrap up season one and season two will begin shortly after. Don't worry. It won't be a long hiatus as we'll cover and bring to you the Stone Cold Chronicles, the history of Stone Cold Steve Austin on a yearly basis. We cover year by year his historic Hall of Fame career. All this and more we'll talk about upcoming seasons as I'm planning the next three, four, five, six seasons to go in Beyond the Bell's new reformatted history. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you, the fans of Beyond the Bell, first off, Thank you so much for the comments, uh, sending the email messages, the DMs, like I mentioned, at the top of the program, like Tony would say, and the the, the great comments and feedback saying you, you appreciate the work and you missed the show once it's coming back. Well, we're back and we're excited to bring you all things nostalgia in pro wrestling. Go to btbcast.com and at btbcast on Twitter for information, and I'm excited to move on to this next phase and the history of beyond the bell. So until next time, my old school fans will continue on covering the history of WCW as we'll look back at the clash of the champions until then, this is your old school party host, Sean Beckerman signing off. Thanks for listening to beyond the bell. Remember to always keep it old school. My friends.